20 questions or 20 minutes, whichever comes first, as long as it's you. This is You Go First. I'm your host, Blair Payton. We have 20 questions in a vase. My guests will draw the first question, and we'll go back and forth covering as much ground in 20 minutes. The timer begins after the first question is read. My guest is a veteran character actor and writer, David Dean Botrell. He's been on shows like Modern Family, Law & Order, SVU, NCIS. He is also the author of Working Actor, Breaking In, Making a Living, and Making a Life in the Fabulous Trenches of Show Business. And on February 11th, his one-man show, David Dean Botrell, Makes Love, debuts as an audiobook from Random House. Please make welcome... David Dean Botrell. Ah, uh, thank you, Blair. Oh, those titles are so it's, long. I'm a they're really long. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you? I'm really good. How are you? I'm great. It's so uh, exciting to have you. I was like stalking your IMDb page, <laughs> and I gotta say, I got pretty excited when I saw you were on an episode of Caroline in the City. I was a long time ago. <laughs> wow, that was a long time ago. I was, uh, I think, customer number three back in those days. Yeah. Uh, what was that like, meeting Leah Thompson? We'll talk about your other stuff, but what was it like to meet Leah Thompson? Um, she was super sweet. I didn't have a lot to do with her because I was customer number three, uh, mm-hmm. but she was there and she was really sweet. A friend of mine uh, was the showrunner on that. And in those days, I was actually working more as a writer and I just got this call from my friend saying, hey, you free this week? Because I got like man number one, customer number two, all that. Do you want to come in and do one of these? And so I just did. So it was an easy like walk in the door, sit yeah. down and say your line and get your laugh and get out. Uh, but it was really fun. It's always fun to work on TV, especially TV that's taped in front of a live audience. I think that's really uh, – it's so exciting. It's really fun. The adrenaline is so high on those shows. Would you say – because it looks like you've done a, a lot more drama. Is that more – Lately, yeah. Lately. Would you – do you have a preference as far as like a live studio audience or like comedy or drama? Uh, I've gotten really fond of those like uh, the single ca- camera drama stuff only because – if you fuck it up, you can say it again. <laughs> and, and that can happen in front of a live audience, but you're not going to get the same laugh when you go back into it the second time because they've right. already heard the joke, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and they can sweeten that and everything. They can fix it and post. But it's but there's a, there's a real thrill to like landing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do – as as time goes by, I, I appreciate more and more relaxed work, working atmospheres where yeah. it's take your time. It's OK. We can do it again. Here we go. Let's do another take. And I and, and I, it just kind of happened by accident because yeah. of this one show where I played a murderer. And then after that, I got a lot of murderers. Like a lot of murderers came my way. I was murdering virtually on every major TV show on network Interesting. Okay. I was murdering tell, somebody. Tell me about your first TV murder. What show was it for? Uh, it was for Boston Legal. Uh, okay. And I came on to Boston Legal as a, as a one-episode character, but God bless David Kelly. He thought I was funny, mm-hmm. and he kept me on, and my character became increasingly more bizarre and dangerous, and I started killing people, and it was amazing. And it got me a tremendous amount of attention. And then all of a sudden, I was all over the place murdering people. <laughs> oh, wow. I was murdering here, murdering there. It only starts with one. It does. <laughs> you think you can stop after one, but you really can't. So tell me about the uh, – or tell our audience about the one-man show that's now an audiobook. That's oh, so cool. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Uh, this began a few years ago in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do storytelling. And I had done a, a story at a storytelling show about my ex that I'd been with for 10 years and who had had kind of a big alcohol problem. And I – there's a limit usually. There's a word limit on those shows. And I, I decided to try to get 10 years into 1,500 words and I pulled it off. And when I did it that night, just the response from the audience was very different than most of the other things I'd done in storytelling shows. 
And it was a little heavier material, yet it got these huge laughs. And I thought, huh, I wonder how many love stories I have in my life. And I called up Comedy Central stage out there and I had said, I had this idea. Can you, would you give me a slot? And they said, yeah, sure we would because I'd worked there before. And, um, and they gave me this date and suddenly I had to write a show. And I just started coming up with every love story I could think of starting like at age five mm-hmm. up to the present. And the first version was maybe 45 minutes long and we just kept workshopping and it became like a 75-minute show and it became this kind of hit in L.A. Um, and it ran for like 18 months in L.A., wow. which is – that's like Phantom of the Opera for yeah. by L.A. standards. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and then I, I stepped away from it for a while and then last year I decided to revisit it. And so I rewrote the show mm-hmm. and did it here in New York where I live now. And again, I had this really tremendous response to it because, lo- you know, love is this kind of, you know, even though it's one of the most studied things mm-hmm. in the history of time, nobody knows anything about it to this day. Like nobody knows. Nobody yeah. can tell you anything. You're kind of out there on your own. And so- When it's great, it's great. And when it's not, it sucks. Oh my God. Oh my God. And that's kind of what the show's about. Mm-hmm. And it's not all romantic love. Like there's this, you know, very innocent story from childhood and there's a story about my relationship to my dad and mm-hmm. there's a story about my divorce and there's a lot. It's it's like all, it's what that word means to you at different moments in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, as far as a one-man show, because they're all uh, personal stories, do you script it out and then memorize the script or is it kind of a loose structure? Um, I, I do script it and yeah. – um, and it evolves. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, I, there, I've noticed that you know sometimes I'll be doing the show and then I'll go back and I'll look at the text and I'll realize I'm not saying that anymore. I'm saying new things now. But it, I did have to script it out only so I didn't get lost in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, because every everyone – I realized – I don't know about you, but I've been to some horrible, horrible one-man shows or one-person shows, I should say, in my life. Mm-hmm. And I've I didn't... done community theater. <laughs> so <laughs> – it's not just limited I, to one man shows. I I just I I didn't I didn't want to do one of those, you yeah. know. And I I thought I don't I want I, I I mean it's about me, but it's I wanted it to be about something bigger than me, you know, right. like more interesting than me maybe. And I thought, well, here's a subject everybody is interested in, you know, love and sex. And boy, everybody's interested in that. Everybody's is everybody's puzzled about that. So it turned into something really kind of swell. I mean, I I really love doing it and I lo- what I really love is what the reactions I get from yeah. people when they come to see it. And it, it is primarily a very funny show. I mean, it's really pretty funny, except when it isn't. Yeah. And that's the other part that people have really appreciated is that I don't sidestep that part of love either. So it's been cool. It's been mm-hmm. it's been a real eye-opener. And now it's this audiobook, which is yeah. pretty damn amazing. So how how did that come about? Um, because I had written this other bur- book, Burke. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> He he had he was very nervous about coming on this podcast. I, we had a little I, bit of an alcohol I am, sip. I am from Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Burke we wrote, wrote me a book. Um, I wrote a do book. Do you say last... Warsh or Wash? What do we say? We say Warsh. Warsh. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I've heard that. I'm like, where's this Phantom R coming from? Oh, another question. Yeah. Do you say uh, how do you refer to soda? Do you call it pop? Do you... Oh, we called it pop. Okay. Yeah, we call it pop. That sounds. It sounds so dumb. And it was a lot, a lot bub, <laughs> lot bub, and uh, oh, all the good. There's a lot of good ones. Oh, yeah. my last guest, she was uh, making fun of me because every time I'm like, oh, si- uh, I have to think now, but it's I, it's supposed to be sit, but I always say set. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I I it took me a long time to not say bury instead of bury, mm-hmm. bury. Anyway. <laughs> okay, but tell me about Random House. How, uh, um. Uh, because the book had happened, because working actor had happened, I just 
invited everybody from Random House, mm-hmm. and I never dreamed that they would come, frankly, yeah. but they did. They came, and they came, uh, I think, on the second show that I was doing there, and I got the call the next day, mm-hmm. and they said, wow, this would make a great audio book. And I thought I had never thought about that before yeah. because it's a, now they like do audiobooks where there is no paper book, like it doesn't even exist. It's like, oh, it's I own. didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I was going to ask if they were going to do like a scripted version. No, no, no. Wow. It's a whole thing. And they're, they're kind of starting a whole division that spe- specializes in live performance and, uh, and theater. They, they just mm-hmm. did Angels in America and they recorded it actually in studio space, but they went like all over the world to get all these really famous actors to record it. And so that, that's a very ambitious project. Mine was less ambitious. Mm-hmm. But the one thing when they approached me, uh, they wanted me to do it in a studio and I said I can't. Uh, if you want to do it, I'd love to do it, but I have to do it in front of a live audience. Yeah, so, and there's something about that connection with the audience and just the feel. Yeah, and in this division, uh, this is the with the theater division that they're doing this with, I, this is the first live recording they've done is mine. And so it was really exciting, and they were very nice. excited. And I haven't heard any of it, but they are very excited about it. So I'm. When do you get to hear it? I don't want to hear it, honestly. Really? I can't. Oh, I no, can't stand I... to hear myself. Like yeah. I can't. I can't. I can barely watch myself on video, but just like hearing my voice. Well, did did they give you the option to hear it before it's released, or is it like no? You'll hear it when it's out. Like, um, calm down. You know, the studio. I had to go in there to do some additional recording for it, and the the guy, one of the studio sound sound guys, was like, "Do you want to hear it? I can send it to you." And I was like, "No, I don't. I don't. Thank you, but I don't really? want to hear it. Oh. I, I'll just wait, and maybe I'll hear it later." But. I get so obsessed and I'm such a perfectionist and it's really yeah. – I'm very unforgiving if I hear something I don't like or – you know what I mean? I Yeah, I get – because I, I mean because I do audio and video production. So – and specifically if it's my own project, I will obsess on it so much that I'm like this isn't good anymore. So yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. Although if it's in the hands of someone who's like paying me and then I would be a little more lax. But yeah, I totally – I trust them. I really do. That's one of the great joys of having been in this business for a while is more and more I trust that people know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And if they – they'll know how to edit it. They'll know how to package it. They'll know what they're doing with this. And so uh, we did two shows and I know they're going to edit those two shows together and – I am the sort of person that would drive them insane. I would right. say, can we take this out? Or I think maybe that first one was better than the second one. And I thought, don't drive them insane. Leave them alone. I'm sure they know what they're doing. Yeah. And let, it's them, funny. let them do it. I've been on both ends. I've been the uh, talent who's like, can you cut this? And I've been the person who's had to do the cutting. Yeah. And like, I hate both people. Yes. <laughs> and I am both of that person. I feel you. <laughs> so now, as far as the show goes, uh, you have a couple of shows coming up. Yeah. In New York. I got three coming up in New York and three coming up in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, the ones in New-, in New York are at the Triad Theater up on 72nd Street. Okay. And they are on February 12th, 19th, and 26th at okay. 7 p.m. Those are all Wednesday nights. And then I go to L.A. for a shorter run. And I'm doing uh, – in and the first week of March, I'm there for shows on the 6th, 7th, and 8th at the Acme Theater in North Hollywood. And – can do you have a website where people can get tickets or um, I, actually you know what I because I'm lame I don't have it set up on my <laughs> website but I can mm-hmm. tell you easily what they are it's uh, triadnyc.com and acmecomedy.com in Los Angeles. So what happens after the LA shows? Are you going to take a break or are you going to maybe expand um, it? Well, you know what? It depends on what happens with the New York shows. Uh, we've got three set up right now. If they sell out, if we get some press mm-hmm. um, and there's you know a good reason to keep going, I'll just come back and we will do more shows in New York. I would love to do it the way I did it in LA, which is I did it once a week in LA for 
I, I guess I, well for until the LA Times came and gave it this great review, and then we started uh-huh. doing two and three shows a week. But mostly doing it once a week made it kind of an event, mm-hmm. and it also. Did you ever get sick of it? I guess not. You're still doing it. You know, but, I didn't. Yeah. Um, I, I, it was so terrifying. I was shocked at how terrified I was to go out and do it. I'm, and I've been performing a long time. Mm-hmm. But to go out by yourself and tell all this very, very personal stuff in front of an audience, I, I, it would, I'd be like next to shaking before I'd go out. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking, wow, there's, some, I, there's something to this. I need to keep facing this. And it also the show evolved yeah. over time. So I haven't gotten sick of it yet. It, it, the current version is much different than the one I did in LA. I've rewritten some of the major stories. And like in, at the time I started doing the show, my dad was alive and he's now gone. So I tell a very different story about him now. Um, so it's just – it's been kind of fascinating to kind of yeah. walk through it. I'm not sick of it yet and I, I'm looking forward to actually – I have ideas for other shows now because I've gotten really intrigued in mm-hmm. – I don't know. It's just – it's a medium that's kind of – it's so personal. I mean when yeah. you make that connection with the audience. So I'm kind of interested in it. So now. when you say more projects, like more one-man show pro- yeah, projects? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have yeah. – um, I've got interest from a couple of places for me to sort of develop shows with entities like other theaters and, and awesome. I know that Random House – I pitched them a couple of ideas already that yeah. they really like. I guess it depends on if people buy this one. So mm-hmm. feel free, America, <laughs> to buy to it. To buy it. And it's going to be on iTunes. Is it iTunes? Is that where uh, you buy I, it? You know, I think you can buy it pretty much anywhere. You probably buy it on Amazon. You can buy it on Google you know, Sound. <laughs> and then <laughs> your one man show. Exactly. Modern Love. Exactly. It's actually uh, David Dean Betrayal Makes Love, a one man show. But you'll be able to find it. I mean, it'll be on Amazon. Oh, I just I'm called sure. it the wrong title. I am That's such okay. a good host. <laughs> I've been on modern, uh, modern, not modern love. What modern love was the, That's the New York Times thing that's turned yeah. into an audio book. All yeah. right, sorry. Whatever. Making love. <laughs> it's so much better, you guys. Than uh, I, I don't even know what I said. Making love. Okay. Yes. So you ready to answer some questions? Oh my god, yes. Okay, so uh, you're going to draw the first question okay. as soon as you read it. I'm mm-hmm. going to start the timer. Okay. And we will begin. All right. What's your weirdest first date experience? Timer begins now. Oh, uh, when I was on a first date and the guy I was with um, told me how his ex had committed suicide three oh, weeks before this date. My God, Three weeks what? prior to this date. What did, what did, how did you react? I said, what are you doing on a date three weeks after your boyfriend committed suicide? Yeah. And he said... I don't know. I just didn't want to be that guy that something sad happened to. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah. I think I would – if that happened to me, I would just be stuttering and yeah. just being like – yeah. That story's in the show, by the way. Oh, my God. Yeah. I got some bad date stories I can share with you. Some of them are a little um, X-rated. Sure. But keep in mind, I have told my dad, so <laughs> – we have an oddly close relationship. Oh, good. That's yeah, yeah. Good. yeah. Uh, the weirdest, I, the only thing that comes to mind right now is I'm supposed. So I met someone on Hinge, mm-hmm. and we're supposed to go on a date as of this recording on Thursday. Okay. And um, so in my profile, because on Hinge, I don't know if you've ever been on Hinge. Mm. So it has pictures, and then it'll have like generated questions you can answer to kind of show your personality. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what's your go-to karaoke song? Well, mine is I'm Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman by Britney Spears right. because it's so melodramatic and there's it, it, there's such a story to be told there with it's that beautiful. song. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful song. Yes. And so um, he was like, I've got to hear this 
And so our first date is going to be at a karaoke bar. I have no idea how it's going to go. but <laughs> And he's like texting me. He was like, hey, what's your favorite karaoke place? And I'm like, okay, I'm not that lame. <laughs> so we will see how that goes. But yeah, I think you win that round. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, have you or have you ever dated someone in your same line of work? Oh, my God, yes. Oh, my God. I mean, I was with somebody in my same line of work for like 10 years. How was that? Hard. It yeah. was tough. Um, because, you know, I, I one of the, you know, speaking as a gay person uh, and speaking on behalf of all gay persons, uh, it, it, at least with men, mm-hmm. it, there's a kind of a problem with being competitive. Do you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, – and when you're in the same business and the business is a freelance business and it's a very personal business like being a performer where it's very easy to get your feelings hurt and it's very easy to get yeah. jealous, uh, it, that happens with your peers. And when it starts happening with somebody you're with, that's mm-hmm. really – that's it's really hard. And I also once dated a stand-up comedian who was not funny and that was really hard. That was super hard. That happened uh, – I didn't know I was being picked up until <laughs> – we were actually on a date uh, because uh, yeah, I'm very slow because I never think anyone's into me until they specifically say it to my face because <laughs> uh, otherwise I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to assume. And so he took me to – it was uh, – what do you uh, – it was an open mic night mm-hmm. and he got up to perform and it, it was terrible. <laughs> And I, but like, I'm so like, I'm sitting in the front, like, oh my God, (laughs) keep going. Uh It was bad. And then I worked, uh, so I, you know, I also do audio work. And I, uh, at my last job, I dated someone that I worked with Mm. and he dumped me Mm. at my work. Mm. (laughs) You want to talk about a hard fall. Right. So, um, but yeah, I don't think I could, as far as like in the performance aspect of my life, I don't think I could, yeah, I would be. Not so much competitive. Like, I would be happy if they got, you know, like a TV show or whatever. But then at the same time, I'd be like, why is this not happening to me? You know? Uh, it's, so, it's, it's, it's the just, insecurity, uh, too. You it's, know? It's, it, it's it's why I take tough. so many selfies. I'm like, no, this one looks amazing <laughs> now. Okay. Uh, okay. Besides your home and your work, where do you spend most of your time? Uh, I spend most of my time on the streets of New York taking pictures. Oh, okay. I love um, – that's my kind of go-to relax hobby kind of thing. It like do was, you have a camera or do you use your iPhone? Um, well, you know, I used to have – I still do have a really nice camera. Mm-hmm. And I used to – this was a hobby of mine years ago back before digital photography back in the ancient times. Yeah. And it was so expensive back mm-hmm. in those days. And so I finally let go of it for that reason. And then when I moved back to New York, mm-hmm. I thought I need a hobby. I need something so I don't go crazy with all this adjustment that's going through my life right now. And so I just took my cell phone out and I started taking pictures. And I just had forgotten what an incredibly photogenic city New York City is. And yeah. I've taken some of the most amazing pictures that I'm so proud of. Have you had them like blown up and framed? A, a couple of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I and I started putting some of them up on social media and a couple of people have bought them. Oh, uh, nice. Which, uh, yeah, it's really nice. It's yeah. very flattering. And um, But I really do love the light and the, the structure and the shapes of this city and what yeah. you – like the reflections of glass and the amazing things that happen. And even I've caught so many birds like in flight in New York City, like right in front of some window. It just – that made this amazing image. I really – it's wonderful. Do you take pictures of strangers? I was for a while and then I stopped. I think that's so – because my friend does that too. And I'm just like, that feels weird. What if they see you taking a picture of them? Uh, Has that happened? Not yet. Okay. Uh, there have been a couple of close calls on that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I Because the phones are kind of sneaky, it's easier to mm-hmm. do that. And then – 
I published a couple online that had, you know, people, obviously people in them, recognizable people. And somebody said, do you have their permission to do this? And I thought, I don't. Art has no permission. (laughs) I thought, hmm. I get, you know, if this was me and I suddenly saw my face on somebody else's, you know, social media. So I decided to kind of, I steer away from that right now. Yeah. For me, I spend, um, if I'm not working or in front of a computer uh, working on my own projects, I'm usually laying in my bed uh, (laughs) like an invalid watching uh, Hulu and eating pizza. There you go. Yeah, it's the simple pleasures. It is. I I eat way too much in bed. There you go. Just shared that with you. Uh, How different do you act when you are with acquaintances versus people you are comfortable with? Oh, my God. That's a – wow. That's a big question. Uh, I'm sad to admit I'm sure I am uh, more conscious of – I don't know how I come off when I'm with acquaintances than I am when I'm with my close, close buddies, you know, yeah. or somebody I'm seeing or dating or something. Yeah. And again, I guess part of that has to do with a lot of my friends are sort of in my industry. Mm-hmm. So even though they're still my friends, they're also kind of my business acquaintances a little bit. So I think I'm probably more – I'm more aware yeah. of how I come off. That's for sure. I'm always aware of how I come off after I've already put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> So, um, and I'm I'm comfortable to a fault to where I I'll, I'll get comfortable with people and then I'll just wind up talking too much and it's like ooh ooh shut up you know mm. um, I, the only time I get uncomfortable is one time I went out with some friends it was my roommate and a bunch of his like gay friends we went to a gay bar and it was like I don't know it was the night it was filled with models. So I was like very uncomfortable and I was like, I don't want to be here. So I think pretty people make me uncomfortable. Sure. Um, But otherwise, for example, this is how I put my foot in my mouth. I was doing some um, admin work for some realtors Mm -hmm. and it was literally just bitch work. It Mm -hmm. was like doing mailers, folding envelopes, um, sorting Excel sheets, all that sort of stuff. And we were working in a WeWork office. I was working for a team. So there was another realty team who did, like, commercial work. I worked with this team that did, like, housing, like, you know. And this one guy, it was their first day in the WeWork session. He came up to me and he was just, like, introducing himself and just, like, I'm I'm a big deal or whatever. And he came up and he was like, hey, my name's Cliff and I work with blah, blah, blah. I just wanted to introduce myself. What's your name? And I was like, hi, I'm Blair. I do bitch work for them. And I just said it without thinking. (laughs) And my boss was like, also known as admin work. (laughs) So, yeah. Draw the next question. Yes, sir. Yeah. And that, I should do these in advance, should I? But to be fair, it was it was bitch work. Uh, well, you know, and who hasn't done that? What's the silliest fear you have? The silliest one. Wow. I have so many fears. Well, and it doesn't have to be a current fear. If you had one that you're no longer afraid of, like maybe as a child. I did. I had a weird one as a child. I was terrified of cameras as a child. Um, and that's it, interesting. Yeah, every well, most cameras when I was a kid had flash, those kind of flash yeah. cubey kind of things that would happen. And it 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 for some reason I got scared of that when I was small. And so there are all these the all the pictures of me when I'm relatively small, like up to the you long, look like startled. I'm crying, and a lot <laughs> I'm crying in most of them because they're forcing me to have my picture taken. Yeah, and I'm crying because I'm so upset and scared of the the camera. Because there was something about the explosion of that yeah. flash cube that like scared the shit out of me somehow. How huh? did you get over it? I think I just grew out of it eventually. 
But I remember, and it's funny because I just got some pictures not too long ago from my family, and yeah. then a lot of them are pictures of me when I'm small, and they're all like I, I just look like some abused child who's cowering. I think that needs to be a collage. <laughs> Like a nice photo collage of all you, all your terrified photos. How about you? What was your silliest fear? Uh, mine was as a kid. Um, I used to be like one time I had like it felt like I had a hair in my throat, and I remember as a kid. I this is probably the root of my anxiety. I remember as a kid, I was like, what if I can never get that hair out of my throat? And then I have to have surgery and they have to cut my throat open just to get that piece of hair. Like I was legitimately terrified I was going to have to have surgery to get one strand of hair that was stuck in my throat. <laughs> weird, right? It is weird. It's so dumb. Okay. Uh, let's see how we are doing on time. Okay. We're ha- we're at the halfway point. Oh, great. Awesome. Okay. Oh, this is a long one. <laughs> Whew. Okay. Uh, if you could send one letter to yourself in the past without the goal of making yourself rich, no lotto numbers, stock picks, et cetera, what age would you choose and what would the letter say? So what age would I be receiving this letter if I was sending it back in time? Yeah. If you could send it to yourself in the past, what age would you pick mm. and then what would it say? Um, I it, it would be age 10. Okay. Um, and I would write this letter and I would say uh, – uh, you know that kid that you're scared of? I want you to beat the shit out of him. <laughs> and I want you, even if he knocks you down, yeah. I want you to get up and you keep you keep punching until no until you can't stop. Yeah. I would I would tell myself to go back and do that because I should have. Yeah. I should have. And instead, I sort of thought, oh, he's too big, he'll like or whatever those mm-hmm. things you think about those bullies that they're going to somehow like kill you or something. Yeah. And in hindsight, wow, I I you know what? If I'd fought back, it would have been a lot better than the terror I lived in mm-hmm. during that period of my life. You know what I mean? What have you gone back and tried to find your uh, past bullies on Facebook? And I, I found a couple of them in my high school reunion. <laughs> uh, a couple of them showed up at the high school and? reunion. Um, it was very interesting. Yeah, uh, it was very well timed in my life because I, I really they didn't know where I was and I wasn't interested in knowing about them for a long right. time. And then uh, when I went back to mm-hmm. the high school reunion, I, it was right after I had been on season three of Boston Legal. Yeah. So I was a kind of a TV star when I went back. And wow, wow, that was that was made a big difference. That made a whole big difference. So they about, were like kissing your ass. Kinda, kinda. It was a it was the the few people that I thought, wow, you would never in a million years yeah. have spoken to me, but here you are. Did you have like kind of the gratification from that or? It was, you know, some of it was very gratifying yeah. uh, because what I kind of wanted to say was, you know what, fuck you. But I didn't because it was a million years ago and it's kind of hard to like. Because we're all dumb at that age. We're super dumb and a lot of water's under the bridge and some of them seemed like some of them I felt a little bad for. Honestly, I felt like, wow, your life didn't really work out too well, did it? Mm-hmm. And then, then I thought, well, don't be a judgmental asshole, David. What, do you, what the hell do you know? You know, I mean, Well, at least not great, out loud to where people can hear exactly, you. you know? Exactly. Just keep it to yourself. And also, I do believe, and I'm sure most people would agree with this or hope they would, you really, in order to move forward, you got to forgive everything eventually. You got to just forgive it. And make, if you don't know why, you got to make up a reason why and let it go and move on. Ugh, girlfriend. You know I am currently in that process now. Yep. And it is difficult. Because like you can forgive it, but then it just kinda like just kind of creeps back in and you're like It does. It it's weird though. It's it creates like speed bumps mm-hmm. in your life that slow you down. 
one hundred percent. And it's like I'm I'm aware of it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just like you know it's you're hard. just yeah. It's it's crazy. That's a whole other conversation. Who would or what age would you write back to? Um, I. That's a good question. I um. Because <laughs> I put it in the vase. <laughs> Thank you, Blair. <laughs> I like how I just compliment my own work. Wow. Um, I probably probably high school, I would say 17. Uh-huh. Because when I was in – so I didn't come out till I was 30. Oh, okay. Yeah. So – and it was like that whole like, oh, I'm not gay. I just haven't found the right girl. You know, it was that whole like <laughs> – yes. Growing up in a small town, being a preacher's kid, the stuff you try to convince yourself I hear you. because it's the norm. Um, so, and it, it's funny because I've told this story relentlessly, but by the time I came out, it was literally no big deal. And everyone was like, yeah, no shit. Right. So I would say just do it already. No one cares. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then you can have sex sooner. Okay. Uh, yeah. Draw the next question. Well, the next question is, <laughs> if you could give everyone just one piece of advice, what would it be? I, I don't know that we – I think we might have just covered that. <laughs> well, give Before another got, piece. Another piece of advice. Uh, What's your second one? Uh, my second In one? In case they're like, yeah, I've heard that. I do. I do have a second one is uh, learn how to listen. Okay. Uh, a lot of people don't know how to do that and that, I'm not being judgmental. I think that's just a fact. A mm-hmm. lot of people – or it takes them a long time to learn how to listen. And uh, and I'm not saying just like listen to each other but you also got to learn how to listen to yourself a little bit. Uh, there is, there is, I think, a voice in us that gets hopefully louder as we have more experience in life, yeah. and and it'll tell you the truth if yeah. you listen to it. You know, mine would probably be uh, d- uh, don't overanalyze. Just let what happens happens. Yeah. Don't try to like think about it and yeah. see all the possibilities. Just whatever happens, you know. Again, I'm more or less saying this out loud, so I will hear it. Okay. <laughs> when do you feel the most out of place? <laughs> wow. These are, these are starting to get a little personal. Um, um, gosh, there's so you many. You go first. Uh, a sports bar. I feel pretty out of place in a yeah. sports bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few years ago, this really sweet thing happened where I had this, this very good friend in L.A. who um, – he and his wife had a baby – yeah. And of course, when you have a baby, it's very hard to have any time to see anybody. Right. And so they said, we haven't seen you in so long. We're having some friends over. Would you come over? Come over, please. And I said, oh, great. Thanks. This was maybe, you know, the baby's maybe nine months old or something then. Mm-hmm. And I went over there and they had invited me and all the people from their like Lamaze class over. So it was God. me and these all these couples, all of which had a, kind of an identical nine-month-old baby. <laughs> oh, my God. And I have never felt so gay in my life as I felt. And all they talked about, of course, were their babies because why, what else would they want to talk about? Right. That's what they have in yeah. common, you know? Yeah, so yeah. There was, I couldn't like steer the conversation into anything else, but you know, we're going to talk about babies. Right. And eventually I just kind of got down the floor and like played with the babies because babies are fun. Yeah. They're, they're fun to play with. So I played with all the babies and then I made an excuse and I got out the door and I, and I literally like raced to the nearest gay bar I could find. <laughs> Just to sort of feel normal Cosmo. again. Cosmo me, please. <laughs> but just to just to feel I was among my own and that I was not a freak. It was just yeah. a lot of a lot of family yeah. baby energy that night. God, How about you? The most uncomfortable. Yeah. Um Wow, I probably a sports bar. <laughs> I mean, even then I would fake it. Um I would just be like, Oh my god, he's so good. You know. <laughs> I really can't think of anything because I usually um 
I'm pretty comfortable for the most part. I'm sure there's something I'm not even like factoring in, yeah. but for the most part, I can get through it. So, and when I can't, that's why I have Klonopin. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, here's a big one. Okay. Would you date a fan? Would you? I have to answer that one first. Well, I mean, the show is called You Go First. I feel like it's just <laughs> a little egotistical if I just go uh, first. I, I would not. Yeah. I would not date a fan. Okay. Um, I, you know, the... Have you ever come close? Like, like someone sends oh, you... Sure. Like, like you met, and they're like, I'm a huge fan. Sure. And you're like, wow, I sure. would like to see you naked. No, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, and again, this kind of... I mean, I, I'm not I'm not in any way famous, but I've been on TV shows, and some of them I was on for a while. You were so on Caroline in the City. I was on Caroline in the City. I was on Head of the Class. <laughs> wow. How about that? I was young, but I was on Head of the Class. Um, so was it after what's his face left? No, he was still on it. He was still yeah, on it. Yeah. What's his name? Hesman? Howard uh, Hesman. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I, because of a couple of times when I've been on TV and mm-hmm. I've kind of been at like sort of fan event kind of things. Yeah. Um, or getting stopped in the street or getting yeah. stopped in the supermarket or whatever. And sometimes some of those people were cute. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were cute. And mm-hmm. they, they, wow, they were so excited to meet me. Yeah. And, and I kept thinking, God, I can't quite tell what this is. Are you excited to meet m- oh, yeah. me or are you excited to meet me because I was on TV? Are you or excited? customer number two. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or are you – or are – like I can't quite tell the difference between you being like are you kind of attracted to me yeah. or are you just excited to meet me, yeah. you know? It's a little weird. And But I, I, th- I don't think I would do that because if they are a fan, once they get to know me, it's only going to go downhill from there. Do you know what I mean? Once yeah. they actually know who I really am, mm-hmm. they're going to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, I haven't you? been – actually, I take this back. I met someone who came to one of my shows and we were talking – I did not realize he was hitting on me because, again, I'm not good at it. Um, and my friend was like, uh, he was hitting on you. And I was like, oh, really? That's so nice. Um, so, oh, I'll answer. So, uh, we'll see. <laughs> I'm open to the pro. You know, I don't want to limit myself right sure. now. Sure, of course not. All right, let's see how many questions we got through. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ten. Ten. Not bad. That's we not got through terrible. Half. That's not terrible. How are you feeling? Do you want to give a, like a, a like a speech? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. Uh, if there's a topic and there's a speech topics in there, we could do that. <laughs> like debate club back in high school. Here's your here's your topic. Debate it. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure meeting oh, you. Same here. Same and here. Thank Blair. you for coming on the show. Now oh, tell people one man show Great. and where they can see it. Yes. Uh, well, uh, you can see it. In New York or Los Angeles, we'll be in New York at the Triad Theater on February 12th, 19th, and 26th. Uh, the, the website is triadnyc.com. If you're in Los Angeles, you can see it at the Acme Comedy Theater in, uh, in uh, North Hollywood. And those dates are March 6th, 7th, and 8th. And their website is acmecomedy.com. And if you can't, don't happen to live in either one of those places, you can actually buy the audiobook, which comes out on February 11th, which is my mother's birthday. So she would really appreciate it, and I would appreciate it even more. Great. Thank you so much. One more time, David Dean Botrell from Caroline in the City, (laughs) folks. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, If you can, uh, give me five stars on Apple Podcasts and maybe leave a review. That'd be super nice. And this is also something uh, new 
that is an option that I just discovered I can do. But if you go to yougofirstshow.com, there's a place where it says leave message. So you can leave me a message. And I, you may hear your voice on a future episode because people are dying to hear their own voices. Uh, so anyways, thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you soon. 